In the great halls of USA Today, we assemble the newsroom's mightiest nerds, Brett Molina. I'm so sorry for the producer of this podcast. <laughs> Kelly Lawler. I will fight you on it. Brian Truitt. Spoiler town! <laughs> Together, they form The Mothership. Their mission? To harness their collective encyclopedic knowledge of nerdiness in all its forms. To dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership. Saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All aboard the Mothership, the Geek Culture Podcast from the USA Today Network. Thanks so much for joining us and happy Friday, friends. What is up? Happy Friday. We're a trio again. Let's meet the crew. I'm Brett Molina. I play video games. And what's getting me through this week, which I'll use in air quotes, is uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, <laughs> it's taking the entire week. <laughs> literally. If uh, you recall, I mentioned it last week, and I mentioned I fell asleep through the start of it. Um, I actually tried to stay awake for this, and I've watched two hours so far. Um, I, I mean, this feels like kind of a drag, honestly. It's weird because... Like, it's funny me saying out loud that I've watched two hours of this movie. I feel like it's a half hour of movie. It's like they took the opening half hour of the movie and stretched it two hours. And it just is, it's kind of wild. Um, I don't know what else to say. But the, the slow-mo is, I mean, it's bordering on excessive now. Like, I think two hours in now, I'm through like five or six slow-mo scenes. And it's just, I I mean, it's, I, it's too much. And you could have cut this movie down considerably just cutting back on that stuff it's ridiculous um you know i th i still think they did some of the characters justice i mean aquaman obviously i think they did a really good job with him i kind of like flash um i'm kind of okay so far with dark side and all that stuff but again i feel like this should have been again not trying to say they needed to copy marvel but I feel like this is stuff that could have been spread out over a couple movies instead of trying to cram it all into one big four-hour movie that I can't stay awake for. So there you go. <laughs> Someone made a joke on Twitter, and it's and it's and it's really kind of it's it's both sad and funny and 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 very apropos. But they said, just imagine and it like in Joss Whedon's first Avengers film, if they showed Thanos getting his ass whooped like halfway through. And then spent the other 17 movies trying to build this guy up as, like, the biggest, baddest person in the entire universe. And that's, that's kind of what happens mm. in Snyder League. In Snyder League. In Snyder League. Because they – Snyder League. And um, – because that's what happens. I mean, Darcy gets his ass kicked, like, you know, 45 minutes into the, into the movie. And he's supposed to be, like, awesome. It's like they're trying – they tried to be Thanos and they just absolutely botched every part of it. And then the mother box stuff. I keep wanting to call them Martha boxes just because for <laughs> Batman and Superman. But anyway. Martha. Yeah. Mother stones. <laughs> and I'm Brian Truitt. I watch movies. Um, but this week, this week I've been off. And like I'm so I'm finally getting around to like reading some books and playing some games and doing some TV shows I haven't done yet. Um, and I'm, I'm playing through uh, Marvel's Avengers game on PlayStation 5. Um, which I think I've, Brett, can, Brett can speak to this. So I've, I've had, like, I bought it when I had a PS4, never played it, 
because I was just too much into Madden. And then finally got around to it almost a year later, playing it on the PS5. And it's 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 awesome. I kind I really I really kind of like it. You know, it's it's the story mode's kind of cool. You get to play the fact you get to play as Kamala Khan as like the main character throughout, and she's got to get you know re reassemble the Avengers. It's it's pretty. It's, she's my favorite character to play in it, and and um and she works as like the main main protagonist, kind of going through this kind of world. That's it's it's kind of like if you if you if you put the comic book universe and the cinematic universe kind of like together, you kind of have this 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 game reverse of of sorts. Um, so, but it's pretty cool. I mean, the characters are all neat. The graphics are cool. I've have it on easy, but yet yeah, I'm so horrible. I'm it's I still have problems getting through like easy mode fights. Um, but yeah, I, I, I dig a lot. I'm like fifty. I think fifty seven percent through the the you know the main storyline. So so I'm, I, I really dig it. The technical joke with that game has been what, you know, it, it takes up probably like 90% of the PS5 storage drive because it is such a gigantic file to update. And then the updates, not counting the original game, are so big that you literally have a console that just plays one game if you're just doing all digital downloads because it's such a massive game to download. And I think that's probably, like, I don't have, I think I have, you know, I think I have, like, the Mortal Kombat game downloaded on it. I have our the the Battleground battlegrounds wwe game that i play with my daughter that's on it i think nba 2k1 is on it too i mean it doesn't said like oh you got you don't have enough space yet um so i yeah i mean i don't play that many games on it so that's probably fine but as soon as i finish and like i do like the the hawkeye the hawkeye dlcs and the other nonsense i'll just you know and the black panther thing that's coming um i'll just erase it and just kind of move on i only play like kind of like one story game at a time anyway. Uh, I'm Kelly Lawler. Um, I watch television. And what's getting me through this week is the super, super relevant, up-to-date movie that I just watched, which is the uh, adaptation of Emma that came out in 2020, um, <laughs> uh, which I never got around to seeing last year because I feel like it came out right around everything shutting down um, last spring. Um, but uh, I watched it over the weekend, and it was really good. It's the one that stars Anya Taylor-Joy as Emma and Johnny Flynn as Mr. Knightley. Um, and it was a very, very silly, witty adaptation with very, very awesome costumes. Um, and I've been uh, rereading Jane Eyre for some reason recently. I don't know. What, what else am I doing? Um, so I'm in a bit of a... Uh, um, Regency England a headspace, of course. Also, Bridgerton happened, um, though it feels like five million years ago, even though it was three months ago. Um, so uh, I continue to love Anya Taylor Joy, um, and I'm really excited to, you know, get on this train a year late. You should totally connect with my wife because I think you literally watch the exact same shows, and it's like every time I'm like, "Yep, yeah, my wife's seen that," or "Oh, my wife would love that." Every time. If she hasn't seen this one, it was free on HBO Max, which is how I finally came across it. <laughs> Oh, well, there you go. Also, also, side note to HBO Max, thanks for having a feature where I have to start everything. Like Justice League, I stopped halfway through, but then when I restarted it, it put me back to the beginning. So every time oh, I try God. to rewatch it, I have to fast forward to where I stopped. So shout out HBO Max. Anyway. That seems like a glitch. I really hope so. It's the same UI as HBO Go. They built on top of that. Um, yeah. My least favorite screener website does that. Um, so I can never stop watching an episode in the middle, really. 
Yeah, and it, I'm not anyway. We, no more Justice League. We got to stop. Um, <laughs> Do you hear us, your, Zach? <laughs> if this is your first time listening, welcome. New episodes of the Mothership drop every Friday, and you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. While you're on Apple Podcasts, it would be awesome if you could write a quick review about the show. By doing that, you'll help other fans who love nerdy pop culture find us. And as a bonus, we'll give you a shout out on the next episode. So try it out. Tell us what you think. Don't forget also, with leaving a review, you can get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at Mothership Pod. Or you can email MothershipPod at usatoday.com. Let's get to the main topic. Here's a clip. Superheroes cannot be allowed to exist. I have no intention to leave my work unfinished. The world's upside down right now. Where do we start? I have a plan. Oh, yeah? What is it? Is you ready? Here we go again, huh? That was from The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the new Marvel show on Disney Plus starring Anthony Mackie's Falcon and Sebastian Stan's Bucky Barnes. We're a couple episodes in, and already there's crazy MCU stuff happening. The globe's in turmoil after the blip. There's a new Captain America, John Walker, who's played by Wyatt Russell, and there's a new crew of masked villains running around called the Flag Smashers. They're led by Carly Morgenthau, who's played by this week's special guest, British actress Erin Kellyman. You might know her from Solo, a Star Wars story in which she plays the freedom fighter Enfys Nest. And she has all sorts of stuff to chat about in terms of the Marvel Universe. Before we get to that, though, we have yet to talk about this show. So we're going to take a few minutes, get down to business and talk about it. What we love and don't love about Falcon and Winter Soldier. So let's start here. First impressions now that we're a couple episodes in. Brian, what do you think so far? Oh, I love it. It's, you know, Captain America's always been my jam. So, you know, it this this hits me right in the feels. Um I you WandaVision was cool. I, I you know, I liked what that did and what it was. Um, but I liked it when it turned into like more of a Marvel show after the sitcom stuff. You know, when once that fourth episode hits and you understood what was happening and it was after the after Endgame and like marvelness of it. I mean, it became that much better of a show for me. Um, this is like just pure Marvel, just from from you know the first minute. Um, and I and I what I what I like about it is that it's it's dealing with the fact of like, well, what happens, you know, when there's no there's no Captain America, you know, Anthony you know, the Falcon doesn't want the shield. Bucky has his own issues to deal with. And the government gets involved, and the government's like, "Well, we need a new Captain America." And they give instead of giving it, you know, instead of, you know, asking Falcon again. Falcon's the guy who really deserves this thing, but he doesn't want it because of, you know, there's a lot of issues there for him. And they give it to like the most milk toast white guy of all time, which which is really interesting because just seeing the kind of the the online you know as soon as he was introduced John Walker was introduced at the end of the first episode like social media went ballistic because Marvel knew what they were doing you know obviously the Falcon inherited the shield from Steve Rogers he was like the guy Steve wanted to be Captain America he didn't want to be Captain America you know I think Falcon kind of like wanted the shield to stay you know 
with with Steve. You know, that was his, that was his baby. Captain America maybe shouldn't be around. And the government's like, nope, we're going to give it to the most white white guy ever instead of the black guy who deserves it. And like they totally trolled everybody. Social media went ballistic, and like and they it it worked because and then and then you know we get into the second episode where you get to know John Walker and like you he becomes more of a sympathetic character than just the white guy who who's taking the black guy's spot, and you know but he's not he's. It's a dick, you know. It's, he's not Steve Rogers, and you know, and he's never going to be Steve Rogers. And I think that's kind of the cool part about the show now, especially if you know the '80s Captain America stuff that it pulls from, '80s comic book stuff that it pulls from. You know, John Walker was never Steve Rogers. He wasn't a Boy Scout. He was not, a, you know, he was a soldier, but he wasn't exactly the best soldier. There was, you know, there's a screw loose up there. Um, and it's, you know, it becomes more about kind of like, you know, it, it, it's, it isn't the shield that makes the Captain America. It's, it's the, who, who the person is inside that makes Captain America. So I, I feel like we're going to go down that road where the shield's kind of the MacGuffin that might get passed around a little bit, but it's really about like, who really should be Captain America? Who, who has it in them to be the next Steve Rogers rather than like the next Captain America? The true Captain America is the friends we made along the way. <laughs> yeah. where, where did that, you know, for, side note, where did that even come from? I, like, I say, I, everybody, it's like a meme joke, and I, like, I, I can't remember where it came from. I can't either, but it's great. Like, yeah, it, it, I was just thinking. Hold like, on, hold know, on, I'm that. Googling it. Okay. But I was like, it's been around for so long, I'm like, that has to come from somewhere. While the exact origin of the meme is unknown, the earliest available usage of the phrase online was published by an anonymous 4chan user. Oh, of course. Oh, well, there 4- you go. It all comes down to 4chan. Well, there we go. So, Kelly, what have you thought so far? Um, yeah, I've liked it. I've liked it not quite as much as Brian has. Um, I really didn't like the first episode, actually. Um, I thought it was, um, especially since Disney is releasing them weekly, I thought it was a mistake to make the first episode so slow and to not have Bucky and uh, um, Falcon meet during that episode, um, because what they've, what the show actually is, is like what we in the TV biz call a classic two-hander, which just means that it has two main characters who play off of each other very nicely. Um, but it's about the two of them, not necessarily about the two of them separately. It's like you know, a big part of it is the two of them playing together, which everyone loved in Captain America: Civil War and whatnot. Um, so I thought that was a really big mistake, and I felt like the pilot was really all over the place. The second episode did a lot of good honing in about what the show actually is, um, and I'm very interested in John Walker. I don't know much about him from the comics. That's interesting what you said, Brian. Um, I really like Wyatt Russell, and we were discussing before we started recording about how I almost didn't recognize him without his beard. If anyone has seen Lodge 49 or saw him in Black Mirror, he, you know he normally has a very resplendent beard. But that is not a Captain America thing. There are no beards. <laughs> um, so I, you know, I think I think it was fun. I'm interested to see where they go with it. Um, I think, you know, I've seen some p- people sort of online hesitant about what they're sort of trying to say about race. Um, and there was a really good piece in io9 by a guy like named Charles Pulliam about that. Um, but obviously there's a few more episodes for them to try to do whatever they're going to do with it. So overall, I liked it. I didn't love it, 
but it certainly got more fun and more captivating in the second ep- captain captivating um in the second episode i was just really really bored by the pilot and i think i think it has to do with with i mean do you you come to it expecting a tv show so you're expecting it to act like a tv show i come to it expecting it to act like a movie so i don't you know i expect there to be kind of like that this is the first you know 45 minutes of a six-hour movie you know is he, so I, 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 don't, I don't i don't expect, <laughs> I don't expect like you know that that falcon that falcon action scenes just fine with me you know that that the whole winter soldier thing is fine with me like so i i didn't expect i didn't expect like a pilot episode of a tv show maybe i've just been like trained at this point but yeah, I mean, but I, but like, I guess if you come to it, like think, you know, as looking as a TV show, you might, you might, you know, it probably isn't satisfying. So that's the thing. It's like Marvel is playing with that, with the form. And I, you know, have no problem playing with form. Um, as long as it, I don't know, as long as it's satisfying. Um, I think like, I think a lot of people point to the Twin Peaks, The Return, which was uh, the sequel on Showtime. And, you know, they like to call that a, a movie instead of a TV show because it was so good kind of thing. And that's when the, like, the what is a movie, what is a TV show kind of comes down to whether or not people think it's good. And when it's good, they call it a movie. But I don't know. They're, they're saying it's a TV show. It's episodic. It's, you know, they end the cliff, with cliffhangers like a TV show. Like, movie acts don't all end in cliffhangers. Um, and so I come at it that way. And I really like some of the Marvel TV shows and a lot of superhero TV shows that I've seen. So that's, that's sort of what I, what I want from it. And as we've all seen with a, a certain director's cut, we're trying not to name extra long movies don't always work. What did you think, Brett? Um, I mean, I liked it. I agree with Kelly though, as far as it felt a little slow starting out. Um, you know, obviously when you see John Walker at the end, it starts to pick up. And then the second episode, I think gets more interesting. And, I like that they have him in there, especially with his background in the comic books, like you mentioned. Um, I think this show, and I think WandaVision 2, suffer from the skit release of episodes problem, where I wonder if they're better off. Like, I think, you know, um, The Mandalorian got away with the week-to-week because it just felt like each episode sort of stood on its own, but then there was also the overarching everything else going on. I feel like with the Marvel shows, you kind of, if they're structured like a six-hour movie, you're almost better off having the Netflix model of put it all out at once, and then you watch it however far in you want to go. Um, um, a side note, Netflix is releasing a few more things weekly starting the, uh, this year, mostly with some of their reality shows, but I, I almost feel like it's a direct reaction to how well wandavision and mandalorian stayed in the news because they were released weekly that's just a side that's just a personal side note well i think i think all the time like what would stranger things do if it was on a weekly episode schedule because right that's a show that has been really popular but all the conversation about it falls off like a month after the show comes out because it's all done you can watch it in a weekend and not think about it ever again and if they had that same cadence where you had episodes week to week, I mean, we'd be talking about Stranger Things for two, three months. Oh, you, yeah, you'll see that. I mean, I, I think they can get away with, like, putting a lot of their stuff that they, you know, they buy from Europe or, you know, from, like, overseas. Yeah, they'll just put that stuff up 
like whole seasons of it. But anything that's kind of like going to have the juice of like a Mando or a Marvel show, they're going to do weekly. I mean, I, I, I bet you, Ani. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't, I get it. I mean, I think I honestly like it this way because then I'm not forced to binge it all in a weekend and then get spoiled because then we're also in that layer of everything's getting spoiled. And it was even happening with WandaVision where like episode to episode stuff would get dropped online and you get spoiled on an episode. So I couldn't imagine a full series being that way. But um, back to back to Falcon and Winter Soldier itself. Um, where do you see the show going? I mean, I'm I keep waiting for the point where Falcon's going to just be Captain America. But then I also don't know if they're going to try to do a pivot thinking everyone's going to be on that same wavelength. What are you both expecting? Um, I mean, I think that's where it ends. Yeah. I mean, I, I I feel like, you know, I think, you know, in the comics, Bucky has also been Captain America. And I, I think, you know, I, I, I don't see him sticking around for a long period of time. Um, just be, and then, you know, just from a, from an actor's point standpoint from a, and then from a character's point, I think, you know, he still has a lot to do in terms of dealing with his own, you know, assassin history and that sort of thing. I think, I think Falcon makes the most sense in terms of, of moving, moving the MCU forward and to, in terms of storytelling, in terms of like theme of like, who, who do you want with that shield? And I think, you know, I, I think this is like, this show kind of like proves his metal for like, you know, he does not want, he, you know, he doesn't want it at first because he doesn't, you know, it's not that he doesn't think he's worthy, but he feels like the shield is, you know, is, is his friend Steve Rogers is, it doesn't belong to him. But I think through this show is going to prove to him and prove to us and he, you know, there's going to go looking into his backstory about like why he might not think the shield is for him. Um, I think he's going to come around to like accepting it. You know, he, he will be Captain America moving forward just because it, it makes the most sense. Yeah. I foresee at least one scene where maybe the two of them pass the shield back and forth in battle and they both use it. Um, that seems like something that it wouldn't pass up the opportunity to do, especially since both of them have had that mantle in the comics. But I think the end of this is, uh, you know, Sam finally realizing that he should and also that he wants to um, and then setting him up for his future in the movies. Um, and yeah, maybe it maybe this is Bucky's retirement. Um, I don't know what Sebastian Stan's con- contract status is, which is like the best way to find out how many more movies someone's going to be in um, in the Marvel Universe. Um, well, I think he had a nine, he had nine. He had a nine movie contract to begin with. So if he's so he's been in he's taken up quite a bit of that. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Um we should stop right here though because as we mentioned earlier, we have a very special guest, Aaron Kellyman, who plays Carly Morgenthau in The Falcon and Winter Soldier. Brian had a chance to talk with her last week about everything going on with the show and a whole lot of other fun stuff. Here we go. So in last night's episode, Carly had quite the introduction beating up Falcon and Winter Soldier, the new Captain America. And also breaking poor Red Wing in half. You know, first <laughs> off, how did you get this this really neat role? Um, well, I think actually Zoe had seen um, seen me in Star Wars, and she'd said that she'd kind of like she'd thought about me since then. Um, 
but obviously when I'm when I was auditioning I didn't think anything I you never expect to get the well I never expect to got to get one of these kind of roles um so I kind of had had I think I'd had two auditions and then I had um uh like a FaceTime with Zoe and Kari and I remember actually at the at the end of the Zoom, Kari was like, okay, well, if everything, hopefully everything works out. And I was thinking to myself, if everything works out, surely that's down to you guys. But even, even her saying that, I was still like, no, I, I don't think it's going to go my way just to, just in case it didn't, you know, so I was prepared. Mm-hmm. So when I actually did get the role, it was, it just, in fact, I don't actually think it is fully sunk in now. I was saying to Zoe the other day that, I think I've dramatically underestimated the size of this whole thing. <laughs> now that now that obviously um, the second episode aired, I think it's starting to kick in a little bit more. But even on set, it was like so so unreal, but still didn't kick in. I don't think. Well, and, you know, the, that's the thing about this show is you know, and the kind of the Marvel universe on the whole is you know, kind of there you know, there's there's the top tier, there's the Iron Man's, the Captain Americas, and stuff. But everybody has a big role to play, even like, you know, kind of the most lower supporting characters. And when you have an antagonist like this come in Mm -hmm. where there's a lot of antagonists who might not be antagonists, we just don't know yet. You know, Mm -hmm. we we pay attention to them because they could be somebody who gets their own show or gets their own movie later. You know, kind of every character matters in this universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's so true. And I think Marvel do a really great job on you know, making it inclusive and having everybody matter. You know, there's, it doesn't feel like there's any filler roles. It feels like everybody's important. Mm-hmm. And so, so the Flag Smashers have this, like, one one world, one people mantra. They want to get things back to where they were during the blip when, you know, half of the population was not around. What do you mm-hmm. find interesting about Carly and them as they tie into the show's, you know, bigger themes of, you know, race and identity and, and, and patriotism? Um, I think it's actually really relevant. And I think, again, Marvel do a great job of making all of their stories mean something still to, to, to society. Um, and I agree. I agree with the Flag Smashers fight. I don't necessarily agree with, you know, the way that they're doing it. But I definitely, I think it's all very important. And I think people need to to try and relate it back to the world that we live in today, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, and it's obvious that kind of, you know, we really don't know what it's like after Endgame yet. We really haven't seen a lot of, you know, kind of like we've seen what it is on like kind of one place in New Jersey, thanks to West, you know, thanks to WandaVision about like how the blip changed people's lives. But on a global scale, you have to think like, you know, it goes into like displaced groups and like, you know, how the world is taking care of the people who came back better than the people who never left. And that's, it's really interesting. And it's a way to kind of deal with, you know, just, you know, groups of people that like just feel underserved by their governments and want to kind of fight back. Yeah. And that's exactly what, that's exactly what Carly's fight is all about. That's, she thinks that the way that the government are dealing with it is unfair and she just wants everybody to, to be equal kind of like, when you know when fifty percent of the population disappeared, things started to get better. They seem there seemed to be more hope. Mm-hmm. The you know the greatest Marvel antagonists, guys like you know Zemo, who we're going to see, and Eric Killmonger from Black Panther, have reasons 
good reasons behind their plans, even though, like you said, kind of it's not the greatest way about going about doing it, but you kind of see where they come from. Do we get a glimpse of what led Carly down this path, down, down the line? Um, <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything. Um, I think... You're just gonna have to watch. I think I don't want to. I don't want to ruin anything for anybody. Okay. <laughs> uh, the the action. How much did you get? Did you, did you you know get to do in terms of you know kind of fighting with Sebastian and and Wyatt and you know and the and the re- you know and the rest? Did you get to do a lot of that under I the did. mask? It was a it was a lot of fun. I mean, when I have the mask on, it was actually quite handy because Hannah Scott, my stunt double, was able to take the reins a little bit and make Carly look like a real badass. But um, Mm. I was lucky enough and fortunate enough to have, you know, the time to train as well. Like they had me training. They had me training in England before I'd even, you know, moved over to the States. And then the first few weeks of me living in um, Atlanta, I was just training every single day. And it was like super intense, like way more intense than anything I've done before. Um, and it's all, it's always a real bonus as well. Cause obviously I got into acting because I love people. I love figuring them out and I love playing these characters, but it's always fun when you get to do a little, something a bit different. Um, so I, I really enjoyed doing all of the stunts and, and it was great because they tried to anything that I was able to do and that was safe for me, I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that, that fight on the truck, I was like, I watched it and I was trying to figure out, trying to remember the bits that I'd done. And if you break it down, I actually did quite a little bit. So um, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy. It was a lot of fun. Well, it's cool because there's like a transformation because, you know, we first see it when Bucky sees her in the, in the, in the truck, she, you know, he thinks she's just a hostage and she looks like, you know, he's going to come to rescue her. She, you know, and then she turns a smile on and then you see him like getting punched out the back of the truck. She puts the mask on. And she transforms, she, you know, the way she walks and the way she fights is very aggressive. And like, you know, she's got super soldiers here. I'm running through her. I, I, you know, I think we can figure it out at this point, but you know, she is a badass, and she is not, you know, and she knows she, she is. Yeah. I think that's what was really important to me to, for me to, you know, sort of convey the innocence because she's not, I also didn't want her to come across like this super, angry super nasty person and so but it's also kind of calculated though like it, I, I wanted people to see different sides to her and I think although when he opened he opened um, the back of the truck and saw her face there although it was calculated because she knew exactly what she was going to do mm. it was fake it wasn't it, there's still some of that in her she is a real person um, so I wanted to make sure people saw you know, different sides to her rather than this, you know, super strong, angry person. Well, and, and kind of the last thing we see of her, I mean, she's crying in an airplane because, you know, someone has just pretty much sacrificed themselves. So she and her, you know, the other freedom fighters can, you know, can get away and you get away, say, from the power broker, who obviously she is very concerned about. And I feel, you know, again, like you said, it shows like, there's more to her than just a badass that, you know, there's something underneath there who really cares. Yeah, definitely. And I think as well, that scene was so important because um, you could, you could see how much the flag smashers are wanting to fight this fight, you know, like he was so ready to give up his life for this cause. Um, and also I think it was important that my character, that Carly let him go. Like, I think 
you know, she knew that she knew that he wasn't going to l- listen to her if she said, no, you need to stay and come with us. She knew that he was going to fight as hard as he could to to give them time and stuff. So, yeah, I think I think it was a very important scene and it showed how strong and how willing they are to fight for their cause. Mm-hmm. This is your second kind of really neat Disney character who wears a mask, you know, Infus Nest was, you know, in, in Solo, she, she, it seemed like she was a villain until she took off her mask and she, it was like, oh no, she's a freedom fighter who's fighting against the empire. We like her. She's cool now. I mean, she was always cool, but now she's like cooler because she's like on our side for you as an actress. What do you like most about mask work and uh, playing these complex characters who can be seen as heroes or villains, depending on, you know, the point of view of who's seeing, who's watching them. I think it's always really, really fun. It's such a fun dynamic. And I'm here, yeah, I'm starting to make a bit of a trend about playing you know, <laughs> mask villains who are, you know, have a good, a good route, you know. Um, but it's always really, really fun. I like, I like having to work out characters that have got a lot of layers to them. Um, and both of Enfys Nest and Carly Morgenthau definitely have a lot of layers to them. And on first impressions, yeah, they might seem like people that are trying to cause co- trouble or no good or, you know, but deep down their their fight is is pure and it's important and it's relevant and people need to listen. Uh, in terms of, you know, kind of after Star Wars, you know, and you, you, you did have that really cool role. How did did people notice you from that for other stuff? Obviously, people noticed you from this, you know, from that for this. But just overall in Hollywood, I mean, kind of did you feel like you had you had like some buzz and like, do you feel like that buzz is going to kind of be more now people because you're going to be a part of this, you know, this show where your face is going to be seen a lot? <laughs> um. Yeah, I guess a little bit for Star Wars. I I didn't really um, like delve dive too deep into what people were saying about me. I always kind of try and stay away from all of that, even if it's good, just to mm-hmm. you know keep separate from it all. Um, but but I hope so. I hope people I hope people like Carly, and I hope that I mean every people have been you know messaging me and things today, and they've said some really nice stuff. So I'm hoping that people are liking her. I've I've seen comments and posts and it seems really nice and positive so I just yeah I hope it I hope it continues I hope people um enjoy what what the rest of what's coming in terms of being in these big universes the Star Wars universe and the Marvel universe you know being in them yourself I mean are you are you did you come into them like as a fan of them and you know kind of when you're actually in them and then kind of coming out of them obviously there's so much kind of secrecy involved but do you feel like, you know, once you're in it, it's a more intimate thing than they, than they are the kind of these gigantic pop culture phenomenon? Uh, okay, so, yeah, I was a huge, huge fan of Marvel. Like, I used to, um, <laughs> me and my cousin used to dress up as, like, the Marvel superheroes and things. He had, like, these um, Hulk hands and I had this <laughs> um, Spider-Man costume. So even, and that was actually before I'd even seen the movies, I just thought, you know, it was they were cool characters and then I kind of got into the movies and things when I was a little older like more of a teenager um and I don't think (laughs) there's anything like working with people that you've already watched on tv that you've known for so long like it's so weird it's so weird but it's so cool um yeah I don't know it's it's such a surreal feeling and I feel so incredibly blessed to be able to be a part of it 
obviously you're on Disney's radar and just kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, that's a cool radar to be on because they have, they have their hands in so much kind of stuff, so much cool stuff yeah. that you're, you know, being a part of that family must be really neat. It is so, it's, it's incredible. And Disney, it like themselves, Disney itself, I've been a fan of since I was literally out the womb. Like I've always loved Disney movies and I've been such a fan. So to now be working for them, it's, it's, again, just so surreal. Sometimes I'm thinking, I have to, like, I take a minute to think to myself, like, what the hell is my life right now? Like, this is crazy. Um, So yeah, again, I'm very, very lucky to be able to be a part of something so special. And that also so many people love as well. And and it's been in lots of people's lives since they were kids as well. It's been around for so long, you know? In in working with, you know, Anthony and Sebastian and, and some of the other folks, Maybe something, something, you know, people who you're meeting for the first time, who who have you really been impressed by? And just from a, just from a a person standpoint, who do you, you know, kind of who you've met that you kind of really look up to as a human being? Oh, that's tricky. I mean, it's, it's always so, again, so weird meeting people that you've seen before, well, working with people that you've seen before on TV and that you've watched. Um, It's always such a strange feeling it's so exciting and so surreal um but who ah okay let me think um do you know what Anthony really he he was really great to work with and he you know took time out and and we went for lunch and he had given me advice like career advice and how to work my way through you know when when the Falcon the Winter Soldier gets released and I think that was really cool of him. Like he definitely didn't have to do that. And he did, which meant a lot, you know? Well, that's, an, that's another guy who's taken all of this, you know, very level headed. I mean, kind of, you know, he was in that first winter soldier movie mm-hmm. and all of a sudden he was kind of everywhere. Then he's in the Avengers, you know, the other Captain America movies, he's in the Avengers movie. Now he's got his own show, but that dude has never changed. He's, he's the same humble guy throughout. And that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of a cool guy to kind of talk to, I guess about that. Yeah. Oh my God. Absolutely. I think he, he'll probably say that his um, hometown New Orleans keeps him humble. So yeah, <laughs> he's a very humble guy. Have you, have you gone back to work since, since COVID or is that something that you're, are you looking forward to it if you haven't? Um, yeah. So, well, um, the, the Falcon, we shot that like through, we had a little break and then we came back and shot through COVID. And then um, I did another thing after, um, after Falcon uh, and shot through COVID. So it's starting to get, it's starting to feel a little bit normal now, like not seeing half of somebody's face <laughs> ever and not being able to hug anybody. But um, yeah, the, everybody was so like, Disney really made a good job of having everybody feel safe, which, you know, especially it was like one of the first things to go back because um, it went back in like September, 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, it was obviously now it's a lot easier to navigate through the pandemic and but at the start obviously nobody it was it was kind of crazy like nobody knew what was going on but they did such a good job of like yeah keeping everybody safe and everybody feeling comfortable on set well you were wearing a mask before it was cool so you you were ready you were ready for it (laughs) yeah but unfortunately my mask this is what was annoying because I was having to swap out my mask all the time because the mask that I wear for her Carly has holes on the mouth part right I could have just kept that on (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, ask Tom Holland if his Spider-Man mask was like PPE, and he's like, no. <laughs> so I was like, well, you know, all these mask guys, and they got to like double masks and stuff. You know? I know it should be. They should. They should start making it. You know, <laughs> PPE. With you know, with I know you can't speak too much about kind of the the next four episodes ahead, but what is you know what can you tease about Carly's arc and where it goes, and you know what can what can we expect to know more about her or see more about her? I think you guys, and maybe you probably have already seen, but you'll learn that she's extremely passionate and extremely determined, and will put the cause and the fight for equality before anything else. Nothing else matters to her like that does. Cool. Does it, does it you know, when you, when you play a character like this, who is so passionate, you know, who, who, you know, go to some extremes for that, does it change you a little bit? Do you, do you, you know, playing a character like that, do you examine your own passions and, you know, and look at what you believe in differently or even kind of being in a show like this that kind of looks at, you know, relevant issues with a bunch of superheroes running around? Um, I don't know if it changes. It doesn't change how I feel. I'm, I feel like I'm a quite a passionate person anyway. Um, it is also, it is very interesting to see um, because I think, I think Kylie's like, like I said before, her root is good and her drive is good and she comes from a good place. So it is also, it is very interesting to um, kind of see how that, unfolds which you'll see in the next um you know the next few episodes um but yeah I don't think it I don't think it would necessarily change how I view passion like the way the way I do personally it definitely makes me see it from a different point of view though can you imagine when you were a kid you know you being 22 and being a superhero and a Star Wars character would that have blown your mind like yeah man I wanted to be a gymnast until I was like 14 so <laughs> this is way different to a gymnast and I have absolutely no flexibility anymore so <laughs> I, you know, I would have been absolutely blown away if you'd have told me that when I was a kid it would have been I'm still blown away now even when I'm seeing it happening now and I've done it it's happened it still feels so weird it doesn't feel like it's my life but you can handle yourself in a fight now probably which is good Hell yeah. Hannah Scott, <laughs> listen, my Stumdable, she is one badass woman. She taught me everything I know. She's so sick. I definitely could handle myself now. <laughs> cool, Aaron. Thank you so much for taking time. I really appreciate it. No, thank you. It's been it's been lovely chatting to you. Yeah, it's been great chatting with you. And I, I can't wait to see more of what you do just in general, but more of you on the show. Because, I mean, that's it's cool that they've taken this character that, you know, was a guy in the comic books and mm-hmm. now have made him, like, a really interesting passionate female character so yeah. i can't wait I to see where it goes it's gonna be cool i i hope you got um yeah i think people are gonna like it <laughs> well thank you again aaron so much for taking time and uh, have a good weekend thank you okay listeners it's your turn what do you think of the falcon in the winter soldier do you heart the flag smashers let's talk about it on twitter you can find us at mothership pod or you can tweet at us directly i'm at brett molina 23 i'm at brian truitt I'm at K-Lals, K-L-A-W-L-S. And don't forget, you can email us too. We're at mothershippod at usatoday.com. That'll do it this week. Thanks so much for listening. Special thanks to our pilot slash producer of The Mothership this week, Natalie Boyd. If you like the podcast and don't want to miss an episode moving forward, you can subscribe to The Mothership for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a rating or a review. Helps other people find the show and we get some great feedback. If Apple Podcasts isn't your thing, you can also find us on Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts. Until next week, 
Nerds out. Later. Bye.